You're now tuned in to the Internal Communications Podcast. Every month, we'll be inviting the most exciting and seasoned people in the industry to discuss everything affecting internal communications today. Now introducing your host, Jonathan Davis. All right, welcome. And we're back for the last episode of the Internal Communications Podcast of the year. Not permanently, just the year. Don't worry, we will be back in 2021, which will hopefully be a much better year than 2020 has been. Uh, now, before you've heard us uh, speak to the lovely people of Scarlett Abbott, Lindsay and Russell, uh, where we had a look back at the year 2020 and kind of went through everything that had happened. But today we're going to do the same, but we're going to bring in a completely different perspective because we have two guests for you here. First off, uh, we've got somebody on the uh, completely different continent very passionate about frontline workers amazing at what she does been at chipotle for 10 years and i'm going to stop stealing your funder because you will get the chance to introduce you but we've got amy jenkins here and then on the other side of the pond a person who i've been trying to get on this podcast forever who if you're watching this in video you might be confused no it's not jonathan it's drew uh, you see drew holland from go cardless who's here to give us his perspective from what's been happening within internal comms and especially kind of in the uh, tech scene side of things. So welcome both of you. I'm really excited to have you. And before we go off and, and ramble on about what a crazy year it's been, uh, why don't you both introduce yourself first, maybe starting with Amy. Sure. Thanks, Jonathan. Uh, really excited to be here and to talk about all that's happened in this wild and crazy year that is 2020, um, specifically about impacts on frontline and deskless employees, because it is it has been pretty dramatic um, and impactful for internal communicators as well. Um, but as Jonathan said, I spent 10 years at Chipotle leading internal communications, um, but most recently I've spent the last two years at the employee app leading a client strategy and, and helping our clients get through this crisis and deliver mobile communications to their frontline workers. Awesome. It's really exciting. We're very happy to have you here because the perspective of what's been happening with frontline workers sometimes gets lost in, in the slur of knowledge workers who get locked into their office or in this case, their mm -hmm. kitchen table. Uh, so yeah. that's a very welcome addition. We're really happy to have you here, Amy. Uh, and now we're going to move on to uh, the other bold man with a beard in this circle. <laughs> Drew, who are you? And we're so happy to have tell? you here. <laughs> uh, I'm Drew. So, yeah, it's a pleasure to be here. I'm, I'm sorry it's taken us so long to, um, I mean, it, as we'll get to it, busy 2020. So I, I can't apologize too much. I've, I've had some other stuff going on. Um, but I've uh, been doing internal comms for about 15 years. So I've, I've worked at places like the BBC, um, EE which is a, a, a mobile phone and telecommunications business. And I'm now at GoCardless, which is a fintech uh, specializing in recurring payments. So it's, yeah, as I said, it's a pleasure to be here. I'm, I'm excited to kind of chat through some of the ups and downs that I've seen over the last few months. All right. Well, uh, without further ado, let's just go ahead and get started because the cool thing here is that even though Drew's very much from the tech side of things and Amy comes very much from the frontline employee side of things, both of you actually have uh, right now the complete context of what's happening in the tech world. So that will also be really interesting. Uh, I've always found the tech world one of the most inspiring kind of scenes. It's uh, It leads the charge in how we deal with employees uh, when it comes to you know, being a good employer and all of those type of things these days, in my humble opinion, coming from a tech company myself as well. Um, so Drew, actually, I'd like to start with you. Um, within fintech, fintech in UK is really big. Um, there's a massive war for talent going on, especially in that sector. 
uh, and now everybody's able to work from home. So there's less of a kind of a bond between employees and their office and companies are feeling like they're losing a little bit of their sense of identity and these type of things. Have you gone through any of this at GoCardless? Have you noticed any of these things and, and what have you been doing to kind of get out on top of that? Yeah, you're, you're right. It's it's certainly very competitive out there. You know, we've, we're in a very um, crowded marketplace. Um, there's benefits and perks flying around that, you know, companies of different sizes can't necessarily compete with. And so one of the things that, that we've really focused on and harnessed is the culture at GoCardless. And and for me personally, when I joined, that was one of the, the big selling points. It was the culture and the people. And so actually, when if I think back to, to March, when we obviously switched to remote working and, and left behind some of the the culture that is exists in an office space or an office environment where you're all bumping into each other, you can interact. Um, I was pretty worried. I, I I wasn't exactly sure, you know, there was so much harm. We had to deal with the technology side to get everybody set up to work. I was a bit apprehensive around the culture side and how, you know, what the challenges were going to be. How was everyone going to react? How was everyone going to interact and, and, and feel different when they're at home? Because, you know, it is very different. It, it sounds obvious, but when you're not interacting with people day to day when we can't do a town hall together in person it it has a massive impact and so for me that was aside from the very reactive stuff to get everyone set up and communicate all the things people needed to know that reassurance that people were looking for I think the focus on culture and engagement was one of the biggest um, reflections if I think about it now that and probably the most important thing that we did uh, we made a conscious decision to to really double down on the efforts that we we would do in the office and and think about how we could I guess not because there's no point trying to retrofit something you did in the office to a remote environment because it nine times out of ten it's not going to work or you know it relies on physical uh, interactions and activity and all that sort of stuff but we we really kind of refined what we did well and could translate into a remote environment um, and we added some new things and we, we really lifted kind of well-being to the fore. We've always, you know, this isn't a, a boast, but I, I believe that GoCardless has been fantastic in the past at looking after our employees and, and thinking about, you know, physical and, and mental health. But we knew we needed to do more. I think in a, in a kind of unprecedented situation like this, we, you know, the team, the people team and the office team and all the, the brilliant people that I get to work with are employees too. We were being impacted at the same time um, and really had to think, okay, let's set that aside and, and think about the wider business. What are we going to do that is going to maintain some of this fantastic culture that we, we really want to build on over the coming months with an end date that at the time was unknown and, and sort of is still unknown. I think that's a really interesting point because some people forget about the fact that internal communicators are also people and they're also very much affected by... Believe uh, it or not, yeah. How, how have you been throughout this personally? How has this entire ordeal, let's call it like that, treated you? Personally, I've actually found it okay. I mean, I'm lucky that I've got um, a cluttered sort of room that I can call an office. Um and like everyone, I've had days, ups and down days, particularly in the, the kind of March, April, May, June time when when it was so full on, it was it was pretty much nonstop 
all day into the evening. And, you know, the, the way I approach internal comms at GC is that we need to think on a global basis. And actually we had um, our colleagues in Melbourne and Australia, New Zealand, and our colleagues in North America, all on different time zones and all with, you know, we're all going through the same thing, but with, with kind of uh, local variations and, and how are we, dealing and responding to all of these different iterations of, of the same thing, if that makes sense. Um, but I've actually been fine broadly. It, you know, I think for that busy time, I, I had the rough days, um, but it was, a, you know, I can say now that we're kind of in November, getting into December, it was a really satisfying time. And I think, you know, secretly, I love the buzz of that, um, that activity, that busyness, that, that value that you're able to add, I felt really um, proud actually. And I, you know, I don't often stop and think about um, the impact that I and my colleagues and the, the function, the internal comms function is able to make. Sometimes you, you get into the habit of just moving from one thing to the next. And I think um, really now when I think back, I, I'm really proud of, of that time. It was a whirlwind while I was in it. Um, but now it's, it's really great to see actually that it worked. We 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 pretty much did all right, and yeah, we we we've fallen into as much normality now as is possible, I guess, as a result of all the stuff that's gone on. That's awesome and really good to hear. I think that's a a very deserved point. I think internal communicators everywhere stepped up massively this year, so it's really awesome to hear that you were also definitely one of them. Of course, not surprising. Uh, so that's really really cool. Um, Amy, how about from your perspective? Because you're looking at this from a completely different angle. Um, first off, you work at the employee app, which means that you must have an overview of what's happening at multiple companies um, instead of just one. And then you've also got your own ten years of experience before working a lot with frontline employees. What what happened there? How has that dynamic changed? How have they been affected by uh, COVID nineteen? Yeah, it's. I, I think one of the you know as we we try to come back and obviously there's been a lot of negative impacts, but it's what can be the positives that come out of this. And I, I think one of the positives that comes out of this for a lot of organizations is that they finally got leadership to recognize the fact that these frontline deskless employees did not have access to communication. If they were not in a physical building or not standing shoulder and shoulder next to their manager, they had nothing, right? They didn't have an email address. They don't have you know, access to the posters that are printed up, um, maybe even their schedule. Um, and so it really opened the door for internal communicators who had recognized this gap for, for a number of years to walk into the boardroom or the Zoom room and say, hey, we got a group of people out here, probably you know, upwards of 65 to 70% of our company that isn't hearing what I'm hearing and isn't hearing what all of our corporate employees who are sitting in front of a computer every day and, and can log into our internet and, and can get into our email can see. And so it opened the eyes of this leadership team to say, we have to open up a channel. We have to find ways to get information out to these employees um, to, to not only help them do their jobs better when they're either back in or understand what's happening with their furloughs, but for that culture connection that Drew was just talking about that is so, so impactful. It is especially hard for that group to see how they fit into the bigger picture when they don't have somebody helping them, them see that on the plant floor. Um, and so it was really great to see leaders embrace this recognize this gap in communication and really put forth plans to try to fix it. And, and we saw that not just through 
you know, clients of, of ours and, and other, you know, people within my network all over uh, the country and the world saying, how do I get this information out there? But also leaders saying, how do I communicate more often, more directly? And you know, how do I get this appreciation message out to my employees when it matters more than it ever has before? Have you, I'm really curious about one thing here, um, because there are companies that have a massive disconnect between, in communication between uh, people that work in the office and their frontline workers. So if we take um, the companies that you've been speaking of, let's say 70%, 75% of your people are frontline workers. Um, have you noticed that when people in the office kind of got this withdrawal went into their shell, uh, there was less connection uh, with the company. Has that spilled out into the way that the company communicated with their frontline workers in some cases? Or was that quite, the disconnect is so large that it really was just two different worlds? I, I think that the people that tried to, to bring the experience together for everyone, in some cases missed the mark. Because you can't say, to a frontline employee who in most instances uh, across all of these lockdowns was still deemed essential. So they were, you know, in some cases still going into the facilities, right? And still doing their regular job. Whereas the, the corporate employees or the, the employees that were sitting behind a, a desk um, were just transferred to home, which not saying that isn't a huge impact. It obviously was, as Drew just stated. I mean, it's, it's a big deal. But to, to try to communicate the same message to those two audiences when they're impacted so completely differently, it missed the mark in a lot of cases. And I, I actually heard this from, from a lot of people who are in those essential worker positions where they said, when all the communication that was going out was about, oh, we're now remote. Uh-oh, what do we do? How do we, how do we change the way our style is? They felt like they were again on the island going, woohoo, <laughs> I'm still here too, you know, talk to me. And so... I, I think it's important to make sure that while the messages are, are consistent and and everybody understands the impact on each other, there is ways to communicate directly to teams and talk about their individual experience first to help each employee group see that they are seen and they are heard and they are listened to. And then you can bring that message back to holistically, how do we all get through this together? Um, but I, I, but I think if you don't take that time to really direct the message and show people that the, the way that they're impacted is different and acknowledge that difference, um, it's going to be really hard to bounce back. Yeah, I think that makes, makes complete sense. It's always, um, it's always been the case that if you want to unite people, give them a common enemy or a common goal. Uh, so it sounds like that, that common goal is very much there, but the way that you communicate it to both groups is just, it, it's a different kind of story. It is apples and oranges. may still be fruit, but it's apples and oranges. <laughs> now, exactly. Drew, in your case, um, I mean, you, you work in a fintech company, GoCardless. It's one of the leading fintech uh, companies in the UK, certainly, and elsewhere in the world as well. Um, how were was were your people impacted by the transition to remote work? And also going forward, um, is GoCartless going to be one hundred percent remote, fifty percent remote, twenty percent remote? How do you how do you see that happening? On the second point, I can tell you watch this space because that's one of the big projects that we're we're working through now. So, um, you know, and and that requires input not just from uh, our leaders but actually our employees as well because we've one of the things we've done a lot of over the course of, of this year is listening. We did it anyway. It's certainly nothing new, but we 
in terms of broadcast comms, we upped those. We did way more than we'd ever done before. But listening as well, we we really went above and beyond, I think. Um, because with any business, and we're, we're huge, we have around 400 employees. And if you think about what that's like for, for a, a corporate with thousands of employees, it's, it's broadly the same in that we have very polarizing views. So some people are very comfortable being at home. Some people find it extremely difficult for various reasons, whether it's uh, space in the house or whether it's mental health. Um, and so we did um, a lot of listening to, to really try and get um, an understanding of what was working for people and what wasn't and where we could do a better job of, of, of helping essentially and making them feel um, that Gold Card List looking after them. And that's where we wanted to get to. Um, and I think that listening is something that isn't isn't going to go away now when i when i think about your point on are we going to be completely remote are we going to be um somewhere in between that's ultimately you know it's, it's a big piece of work because we it feels like not just for us but many other businesses we've sort of opened the door to something a bit unknown you know we we had flexibility before as i said many people love being in the office and, and we did actually open the office as a result of feedback two days a week so um throughout the summer we we did a trial Tuesdays and Thursdays and that was a direct result of feedback from employees so there was no pressure on anybody that the narrative and the messaging there was around choice um, we want to support you in whichever way that you feel most comfortable to work um, and so as I said like if, if you live fairly close to the office and weren't too fussed about getting on public transport because that was one of the the big things that came up for us that you know, I'm, I might want to come into the office, but actually I don't want to get the train or I don't want to get the bus. And so we found that there was a, a pocket of employees who lived relatively closely in London. It's uh, split into zones. Um, if you know London, like zone one and two is it's fairly central. So it was walkable or they could cycle in. And, and what we wanted to do was provide choice. And I think that in a really simplistic way forms a really important part of people's well-being because the people who didn't want to come in felt okay to not come in. We weren't going to say, you know what, the rest of the team, they came in and maybe you should too. There was never anything like that. And I'm really actually proud of, um, and I've heard opposite sort of stories from some people that I know in other places where actually the, the nudges have been there to make employees feel a bit, I guess, compelled to come in, maybe when they didn't want to. And I think for us going forward, that input from employees is, is going to continue to play a really important part. Um, of the story that we're going to tell around how we change and adapt to the, and I hate this term, the new normal, which is um, inevitable because we have to adapt and we can't really go back to how we were before. Um, and that's exciting as well. I'm, um, I'm excited to see where that goes. And, and yeah, that's a piece of work that we're, we're beginning to, to, to understand and unravel a little bit now to see what are the impacts on, on certain teams, because there are, individuals but also teams who love to do things in person and love to meet up um, and others who don't and it, it I think a lot of it requires a change of mindset because I've heard um, a few times around um, during the, the days when we had the office open for example some of a team may be sat in the office and so it's a little bit back to how it was before where they can interact over a table other members of the team are on the screen and I think there's a bit of work there to do whether that's with in conjunction with our L&D teams, for example, to think about our behavior going forward and how we can start to change the way that meetings work is, is one really 
simple example if you've got people who've dialed in versus sat in the the room how does how do we stop the room people taking over and the people on the screen never get a look in that's that's something that it's behavior change that needs to happen over a period of time and i think there's a job there through comms and with other colleagues in sort of hr and development to help change a bit of that thinking because i've seen in some of the feedback that we've had that you know comments around how what are we going to do meetings don't work when there's people on the screen and some in the office all this stuff that i think can work and can change but it requires us to leave behind maybe how we used to do things i think there's still a tendency and i'm i'm guilty of this as well thinking about how we used to do something and trying to apply it to the now it doesn't really work that way so i think there's some interesting challenges to to work through and and you know to get the best results it, it's going to require not just the working groups or whether that's hr and the leadership team and whoever else is involved but also i want to keep hearing from the wide employee base as much as we can um and it's true you can't please everyone all of the time so what we come up with may not be what everybody loves but i want to get somewhere that feels very us feels very go carless and it's the best fit for us to allow us to continue to to do our best work essentially i've seen that big shift to employee listening too which is really exciting companies have always spent so much you know money on listening to customers and putting things out through marketing channels to get a you know sense of how people are feeling what actions they're taking and i've seen a shift over the course of the last year of organizations going what are my employees thinking feeling doing and how do I apply that to, to what we're doing internally and especially to internal comms, right? How do I see what's working and what's generating a result that I'm after? And, and how do I you know, make more of an effort, um, maybe even get more budget or you know, put forth more people towards getting us to continue to achieve that same result? So I think that's awesome, Drew. I love that employee listening shift. I actually think that's really interesting because um, at the start of the whole pandemic thing, if, if you saw how this evolved, what internal communicators were mainly busy with is at the start, it was mainly what do we communicate? What kind of information do we get out there to whom all of that stuff? Now we're very much focused on how do we communicate? So I think it's a really healthy development that we're now starting to get on top of. OK, look, the way we communicate has changed. Uh, there, there are. I, I can't just walk up to somebody's desk and interrupt them and ask them something. I have to send them a message through Google Chat or Slack or Teams or whatever application that you use. Uh, then there are a host of other channels. How does that play into our mix? When do we use what? How you essentially, Drew, you're right on the money. It's a massive behavior change for a lot of people because you have to help them and kind of help them feel empowered. I've seen, and I'm really curious how this also uh, reflects on the kind of frontline employee side of things, because Amy, essentially you've, you've been working a large part of your career to help them get their voices heard. Um, I, I mean, a lot of people struggled with getting their voices heard remotely. Uh, they had to get used to channels, they had to adapt, and it's not natural for everyone. Um, how did that kind of happen within the, the frontline employee side of things? Yeah, I've seen a lot of organizations shift to to more surveys, right? And and trying to find better access points to get those out to people. And surveys have always been around, but I think one of the the things is we get the information and we maybe don't communicate out the results of that for like six months, right? And so it's we we've given our voice, we've given our feedback, but we don't see anything happen. We don't see anything change. And so you see people do that less and less and less. They they stop sharing. 
And I've seen a lot of companies take really proactive approaches to, as they're writing the survey, they're thinking about, okay, what are the responses we're likely going to get back? And what are we going to do with that? Because we're not going to be able to ignore it. If people are really unhappy about this certain aspect of our new normal, you know, how are, how are we going to change and how are we going to shift and let them know that we're listening and we heard it. And so I, I've seen a lot more of that, of people reaching out to, to the front line workers directly getting their feedback and having a plan before they even get the results back. Um, you know, having multiple scenarios of how they're going to, to interpret those results and then make changes within the organization to tell their employees, we, we did listen to you and we're going to do something about that to make it better for you. Um, one really strong example of that that I saw with an organization was as the frontline workers were coming back in off the of furlough, a lot of schools were still shut down. Daycares were still shut down. There was a lot of concern about how do I still take care of my family and earn the paycheck that I so desperately need and you know contribute to the success of our company. And as that feedback was coming back into to this particular organization, they started setting up um, hotlines for daycares. So they identified different places and facilities that were open across the community and put people in contact. They did the research. The company did the research for the employees so they could just hand over a list and say, here's some options for you. Um, or even trying to come up with ways of, of doing that on site if possible. So I, I think that there was a big shift to, I'm going to get your feedback, but I'm going to do something with it right now versus we'll put that in our you know 2022 strategic plan and then we'll make a change. Yeah. I agree, actually. I, I, I think the reason that the, the kind of, you know, there were short surveys that, that I referenced earlier that maybe four or five questions, but we did them um, far more frequently than our kind of usual timetable would would allow. And I think the reason they worked is because as a result of each week actually took action and you could see and feel action as, as a result of, of um, what employees told us. And so that survey fatigue that you've talked about, which happens all too often, I think, where you know you come away with a huge list of actions and actually there's so many that nothing really gets done. We really focused down um, and kept things really concise so we could take the action that made a difference rather than you know a list of 20 things and we don't really do them or we do them you know with minimal effort and and people don't feel a difference. So I think um, that needs to to be maintained and when you go back to um, you know, we're in the middle of actually doing a full engagement survey now, which is that kind of 50 questions or whatever it is, which compared to what we did before is is much bigger. Um, where we need to is continue to take action and communicate that really clearly um, so we don't fall back into that trap um, of, of fatigue building in. And, and, you know, one of the questions in the survey is I have seen or been told about action as a result of this survey. And, and if you look at the results of that, it's, it's usually quite low and I think for me to see that to see that grow up go up I should say would be fantastic and that means that you know these are working this feedback mechanism is working and the listening is actually happening it's not just paying lip service to listening it's it's actually doing it yeah I think that that's a really interesting point because I, I've always said I hate long surveys. I think they need to stop. I need they need to be buried and left alone forever. And it, it sounds like what both of you are, are essentially agreeing. I'm, I'm saying both because I could see Amy just nod along and be like, "Yes, finally," just like me. 
Um, uh, I'm okay with a big survey at the end of the year because it gives you a chance to have one time to reflect. Everybody naturally gets in a little bit more of a reflective mode towards the end of the year, I found. Um, and it, it helps you put things into context. So that's okay. It sounds like, Drew, going forward, you are going to focus more on those pulse survey things. So five smaller questions, one problem, one solution, given that there we're moving forward. So that's a wonderful development that I hope everybody that's listening to this, please take that to heart because long employee engagement surveys with questions that say, do you have a best friend at work that internal comms has no effect on, please bury it in a chest six feet, maybe 12 and leave it behind in 2020 forever. Now that we've said that about leaving bad things behind, we know 2020 has been a bit of a challenge, but there have also been some positive things that have happened. We're talking about listening. We're talking about owning our digital channels a lot more. Amy, if you'd have to say, well, when it comes to my perspective of things, there are such wonderful things have happened one, two, three, and four, or however many you want to name. This is not a clickbait title. Uh, tell me, what are the things that you hope every company will take into 2021 when it comes to frontline employees? And then, Drew, I'd love to hear your perspective very much from the uh, tech scene slash um, office worker employees. Amy? Uh, there's there's a few, uh, which is a good thing, right? That we can come out with a lot of positives from a really tough year. Um, but first and foremost, just kind of like I led things off with, understanding if you have communication gaps in your company and doing something to fix it. Um, don't wait, <laughs> identify the problem. And, and it's not just one solution either, you know, coming from a company that, that offers solutions, I am, you know, eyes wide open to the fact that some people are not going to use Slack ever. Some people are never going to use a mobile app. Some people are not going to like email. So you have to give people options and you have to give them the ability to receive that communication in the way that is going to help you make the biggest impact. Because at the end of the day, it's not about it just getting information out. It's about helping employees think, feel, or do something that contributes to the results of our organization or helps them better their life. And so we have to be open to all of those different options. And we have to continually understand what's working and what's not and make adjustments to that to help improve the situation for our employees. Second side of that is to empower your frontline managers to be stronger communicators. When you are going through a crisis, you know, like we have been throughout this entire year, there's been so much dependency on that frontline manager to help deliver the message. And if they're not confident in doing so, if they don't have the right tools and resources to deliver the message and the tone that, you know, corporate intends it to be coming through, um, if they don't have the means of getting that out to all of their employees at the same time, and it's not the, the terrible cascade of the past, your organization is going to struggle. And not just from an employee engagement perspective, that impacts safety, that impacts productivity, that impacts efficiency. I mean, there's so many different ways that if that frontline manager can't be a strong communicator to their employees, you're going to have challenges in your organization. And one of the mistakes that I think we make as internal communicators and as a lot of corporate employees is that if you have a manager title, you are a good communicator. And especially when you're looking on the front lines, frontline managers are typically promoted into a position because they were best at the job that they do. They know how to do it better than anybody else. They are the fastest at it. They are the safest at it. They didn't necessarily get promoted there because of their leadership and communication skills. And so as organizations, we have to take that opportunity to teach them. You know, we have to bring that into 
to their overarching training curriculum and as internal communicators, I think we play a big role in that because we know best practices for communications that even HR might not in a lot of cases. And so we should be part of that development of curriculum and, and helping to, to bring them those skills so that they can be that conduit to those frontline employees. And the third thing I would say is I love the fact that executive leaders are communicating more frequently and more informally with employees today than I have ever seen them do before. Um, even back in my days at Chipotle, we would reserve the, the executive leadership team for the really important message. You know, we wanted to make sure if we put them out there, it was because something really critical was happening. And I, I never liked that we did that because we didn't give that person a personality, right? We didn't make them real. We only put them up there to say, you know, something really positive or really negative, or, you know, when employees saw that there was going to be a town hall with that person, it was like, uh oh, here we go. Something's happening. And now leaders are saying, hi, you know, have a great week. I appreciate what you do and a selfie style video that's accessible to everybody. And I think that's just such a powerful change to say, I may hold the, the executive title at this company, but I am an employee just like you. And this is impacting me. You know, maybe not exactly the same way, but it's impacting me too. And I'm here for you. And I have your best interest in mind. And I, I just think that's, I hope that organizations do not change that when we come out on, on brighter days from this, but they continue to embrace that. Now I'm very curious to hear if leaders have started to humanize themselves more in the office as well, or well, I, I'm saying the office, but the kitchen table is the office these days. So Drew, what about you? Well, there's some synergy there with what you've said, Amy. I think if I think back to where we started the air in January, we had a, we had a very strong message. You know, you, you typically come back, you kick off a year with, with strategy and, and what we are working together towards. And for us, that was around the next level. We It was on next stage of growth. Um, it was about performance and stepping up and, and doing our best work. And I think um, what COVID did was sort of throw off the, the sort of comms vehicle. So the idea was to, to continue that story across the course of the year. And, and obviously when you have to react to something of the magnitude that we have, um, you sort of lose sight of that a little bit. But what I love is the fact that actually performance has been really strong. And I think we've enabled that performance from employees via some of the communications that we've done. I can't take all the credit. I'll take some, <laughs> um, but I think what we've, what we've been able to do in a really confusing situation for people is to offer clarity um, and to build for me, which I love a real sense of togetherness. I, I've used this quite a lot. And, and for our last um, sort of employee day, which which we did remotely actually in, back in September, which which we would have done in person, um, it was all around one go cardless. That was the kind of underlying theme for that. And, and that's all about how we come together to keep delivering on the things that we need to do to, to, to get those results, to keep the business um, performing strongly despite all of the stuff that's gone on and I think because of the communications that we you know we were doing them anyway and I started at Go Cardless last uh, October and so I was you know getting into my stride and and and, and almost COVID forced my and our hand a little bit in that you know we switched up doing things a bit differently and, and they've ended up being um 
better than they were before, which is fantastic. So if I take all, all hands sessions as, as probably the prime example, it's it's now almost our flagship comms channel because it's it's the only time when we all get together as a company, albeit remotely, which which is different, but we can deliver messaging and get everybody on the same page, offer that clarity, off, you know, drive that alignment, which is so important. Um, particularly during a pandemic, which none of us had dealt with before, but they're now a real, um, you know, if I link it back to the culture that I talked about, it's a really strong cultural piece as it's us coming together as one go cordless. We've got an opportunity now for Hiroki, our leader, to deliver um, top level messages, the important stuff we need to hear about. And we've had some difficult things we've had to deliver over the course of the year because we, we started in this pandemic a little bit cautious around what our performance might be and all of that stuff. We've had some difficult measures ac across the course of the year. So if I think of the biggest one, we all, we all had to take a pay reduction, um, which was to help us um, reduce our costs to get through this pandemic, which again, we didn't know when it was going to end or how it was going to impact our customers, which ultimately drives our revenue and performance. And we delivered, you know, that's not an easy message to deliver, but we, I'm lucky that I have a fantastic leader and leadership team in Hiroki. And we, we've we always been incredibly transparent and open around um, not just the good times, but also the, the difficult times. And so we, we really, um, and if I think about that sense of togetherness again, actually everyone in the end was, I'll, I'll use the word happy to, to go along with this plan or, or, or certainly was willing to go along with this plan because we knew that it was for the greater good. And I think that was part of the story that we told. Um, so despite it being difficult, we were actually able to, to get some positive results and performance has been really great. And that's down to the work that everyone's in, because I think offering that clarity and taking away some of that stress, if you like, from the situation through communication has allowed everyone just to get on with their job and the reason they're there and to keep performing. And I think, that's really fantastic that we've, you know, we've reversed the pay cut that we were supposed to have for a bit longer because of that performance. So it's a really nice um, end result in a way because we've got some fantastic new ways of, of doing some of those things that we didn't do quite so well before. Um, but we've equally been able to get through some of that very difficult early stage when everyone was scared and confused and didn't know what was going to happen and come out the other side with some strong performance and, and a team that feels um, very together, despite the fact that we're apart, which, which for me is fantastic. I love, you know, I love the fact that um, I'd love to be back in the office, but for now, I really am impressed with the way that everyone's reacted and sort of responded um, to everything that's been thrown at them. And I've, I've, I've really enjoyed sort of helping everybody navigate through that and the business through that as well. Fantastic. Okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna put both of you on the spot for the last minute that we've got left in this in this podcast. Okay, so I'm gonna ask you name, let's say three words. We'll keep it to three. Three is a magic number. Everybody likes three. So we're gonna say, okay, these are the things that I hope to see more of in 2021. So for me, that's going to be clarity, uh, remote leadership, and transparency. Amy, what's it for you? Oh gosh, um, I, I'm going to stick transparency as well. I, I think that's important. Um, strategy, getting back to strategy and out of tactics again. Um, and um, empathy. 
Lovely. Yeah. Nice. Drew, what about you? Oh, that definitely is on the spot. I think for me, it's definitely that openness and transparency to continue that and actually build on on this kind of strong foundations we've got in, in place now. I want to see more of that. Um, I think clarity of strategy and, and kind of the awareness of where we need to get to, I think, as I kind of touched on, that, that can get a little bit lost amongst some of this that's gone on, but we can really get back to focusing on the future rather than kind of being stuck in in, in what's what's happened in the past. So I, I definitely want to do that. Um, and fun. I really want to ensure that we continue to have some fun as well because everyone's working incredibly hard. They're on Zoom all day, putting in the hours, getting that performance that I've just talked about. And I, I think to be able to continue to have a laugh together and have fun is, is incredibly important. Awesome. Okay, you've heard it here first. We're going to make 2021 not just a lot better, which is not very hard, but still, in 2020, we're also going to make it less boring. So that's fantastic. <laughs> Amy and Drew, thank you both so much for joining in. It was a pleasure having you here. Um, and on our honorary last episode of the year, I hope to see you back both somewhere in 2021. Thank you very much. Thank you so much.